Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah 55. We are going to be in Isaiah 55 the next four weeks, and I'll share some of the story behind that in just a minute. First of all, I want to thank everyone who spoke in the summer series. It was absolutely incredible. Thank you. I mean, just really, you know, and and say a word here about testimony. Don't, let's keep sharing our testimonies. There's power in our testimonies. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you'll know the hope to which you've been called and the glorious riches of his inheritance. Where? In his holy people, in the saints. So Jesus has an incredible inheritance and it's us and it's the riches of Christ that are in us. And so he wants us sharing that. When we share the word of our testimony, the enemy is overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our souls unto death. I haven't even started preaching yet, but it sounds like I'm like, got got several weeks of, got to get some stuff out. So share your testimonies in your life groups. Share your testimonies in discipleship times. It's amazing. When you share a testimony, it's like somebody else hears that and they go, I I didn't know you could make it out. That's the same thing I'm in. That's the same thing I struggled with. That's the same messy, weird thinking I got into. And there's a way out. Or you hear somebody else's stuff and you go, uh, I, need to be, I need to chill because my, my life's actually going pretty good right now, right? Th- those are, I listened to Sandy uh, hen up several weeks ago and I was like whoa I, uh, Sandy's she's in the room and uh, but I was and I've known Sandy for years 15 years or so and and uh, was but was hearing this story about where she first lived her first year in Afghanistan and it's just like wow it was a dirt ceiling dirt thing and they bought the house from a Mujahideen warlord and and it was his dungeon and you know she's like talking about like that was where she lived you know and I was just under conviction. I'm like, man, I'm complaining about how hot it is this summer. <laughs> My sister's helping me to go get a different perspective. It's going to be okay. Jim, last week, man, uh, Jim Reynolds, just his hunger. I'm like a, to- let me get the quote. I'm like a toddler learning. You know, Jim's 80. Um, he's a pretty smart dude. I'd been over to his house a couple months ago and found out that he was doing all these online classes at Regent. He does those every year. For 25 plus years, he's done online learning in the summer at Regent. Graydon and I and Christina have gone up there, did the NT Wright thing a number of years ago, came back, you know, smoke blown out. And, uh, and uh, I asked him, I said, Jim, you're inspiring, man. I just, I, I love this, that you're taking four classes. I said, why four? You know, I mean, this is crazy. And he said, you know, Jamie, it was like four pieces of dark chocolate. I just couldn't decide which one to put down. <laughs> I said, way to go, man. Well, I had a number of folks ask me about uh, the preaching break. Uh, not a sabbatical. I'm in the office working, just so everybody knows. But there is a preaching break. I feel like I need to clarify that. Um, no, I own insecurities. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> We're hard workers. We're trying our best. Um, but, uh, but there is something that happens when, you, when you're not doing this pressing 
toward Sunday's always coming, just in case you've ever done it. And I've, a lot of you guys that preached over the summer, they're like, glory to God. Thank you that I'm not doing that every single week. And so there's fresh appreciation for that. But uh, man, I got to read a bunch of stuff that I don't normally get to read. So I went, took a deep dive on the Trinity, which you guys know that I'm a fan of God in three persons. Uh, and uh, working on a book and some stuff. And uh, so I'm excited about that. Got a timeline on it. Got, got to go see my parents in Amarillo who are not super uh, just in the best of health right now. So it was really good. Hey, you guys and their family, Jared and Kristen. Garrett wasn't there, but I saw Grant. Grant, I'm waving to you right now, buddy. And uh, so that was great. I also got to go see my father in the Lord, Dan, uh, Don Fento, if you put that slide up. So uh, uh, Don is, he turned 92 in April. And I said, so is there like anything wrong at all? He said, no, doing great. Love Jesus. Don't want you young guys to out radical me for Jesus. I mean, come on. Doesn't that inspire somebody to want to live for God and go for it and finish well? I know he's been a great inspiration to me. So that was another thing we got to do there. So, okay, now we're starting a new series today called A Fresh Invitation. And I believe, along with our staff and elders, that this is a word from the Lord for us in this season right now. I can't say it any more clearly. It is a word from the Lord for us, and I'm just believing that by faith. Here's how that started. Uh, back in May, we had a board of advisors meeting, and there's two guys on our board right now. It's Jimmy Seibert, who leads our movement, and is the lead pastor down in Waco, and Sean Richmond, who uh, planted a bunch of churches up in Boston, Antioch churches. And so, uh, so Jimmy comes to our staff thing. We've got a bunch of people in the room eating lunch. And afterwards, he said, you know, guys, I was praying this morning, and the Lord very clearly spoke to me for Antioch, Fort Worth, Isaiah 55. And he unpacks that a little bit. And, and it was like, wow, okay. So everybody's writing that down, taking notes. And then Sean stands up next, and he said, you know, guys, you're not going to believe this. But this morning I was flying down from Boston and I was praying, Lord, give me a word. What are you saying to, to Antioch Fort Worth? And he said, I very clearly heard Isaiah 55. He starts unpacking that a bit. And I mean, the presence of God falls in the room. And I stood up and said, this is holy ground. And so we've been on this journey now as a staff doing offsites, praying this. We're praying it in prayer meetings. Um, it is a, is a word for, for us. I think it's a word for our culture right now. And I definitely think it's a word for the church at large, but it is definitely a word for us. So is that enough clarity for you there? That's why we're doing this. So it is a, a fresh invitation. And it fits in with the things that the Lord has been speaking to us down th through 2022. Um, if you think back to the beginning, we had these four words, beholding Jesus, overflowing we were thinking triune god of grace his love overflowing love it's that's the overflowing god of love is why we're here you know out of all eternity he had a plan to adopt us create us and adopt us into his family of love father son holy spirit so then that third word was tender gentle and kind and I know for me personally I've needed to hear that word and in the middle of that is Jesus saying come to me I'm gentle and tender. Put my yoke on of kindness. Kindness. So tender, gentle, kind. And the final word is planted and growing. 
I, you know, I was thinking, even in worship, as we are having encounters with the Lord, where we come on Sundays and just like, wow, thin place between heaven and earth, it's not just that we have an encounter and then go live however we want to live. God wants us actually abiding in his presence, staying with him, remaining with him throughout the course of the day. And that's where fruitfulness lies. And so now we arrive to this, uh, I'm just calling it a fresh invitation. I think the whole thing is a fresh invitation. And I believe that the Lord, I've got some words that I'm going to say, but I think the Lord wants to speak to each one of us. So if you would stand to honor the reading of the word each week, we're going to read fully through Isaiah 55. And, I, and I'm, you know, some of the things I'm hearing are come and listen and, you know, seek the Lord and, and respond to the Lord. That's kind of where I think I'm, I'm going through this. But, but what's he saying to you? What's he going to say to you individually? And how does that connect to what he's saying to us as a church together? So, Father, bless the reading of your word. Open up the eyes of our heart. Open up our ears to have ears that really hear and eyes that really see. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a, ru a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations that you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briar will grow the myrtle. The myrtle will grow. And this will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. This is the word of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Have a seat. Hallelujah. So part of, isn't it good to just be devoted to the public reading of Scripture? So part of the background for this passage is that it's written to Israel in exile, in Babylon. Okay, so they're, they're, they're being written to. It's like a, it's, 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 it's poetry for exiles. This is the way somebody 
told me that. I think it was Brent Pennington. It's probably a book, but I give Brent credit. Um, the deal is, we're not exiles. Jesus came to redeem us and set us free out of bondage and into liberty. We're not exiles, but, but there's some very uh, wilderness kinds of things we've been through. There's some very exilish kinds of things going on in our culture, in the world that we uh, live in, in, in the nation that we live. There's some exilish things. There's some Babylonish things. So I'm, I'm not, it's not, you know, it's not this is that, but you gotta, you'd almost be blind not to know that, you know, Babylon was the world superpower. Babylon was the world super economic space. It, it affected everything else that happened in the world. Money, sex, power. So it, it's, not, it's not hard to see the analogy there that this word could very well be an important word for us. Just living in the times that we live in, living in the place that we live in, living in the nation that we live in. So it's, there's a need there. And there is, a, there is an opportunity for us to respond to a fresh invitation from the Lord. Yeah, he's really, he's, he's always inviting. He's always inviting, you know? And I just, uh, I, I'm asked to speak to, uh, somewhere in a couple of weeks about uh, some residents uh, for our Antioch leadership thing about getting God's heart of love for people. And at first they suggested another title and I was like, I don't know what to do. It was pastoral care. And I was like, uh, maybe Laura, you know, could be the, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. And, he, and then Drew said, no, I just want you to talk about getting God's heart of love for people, you know, and how do we walk that out in the church? And like, I want you to, if, if I could just pour that in, hear that today, God has a heart of love for you. And he wants you to walk in the best way for living and for life and to find what really satisfies and that's to find him because he's made us to find our ultimate happiness and joy and satisfaction and life and peace. Yeah. On and on and on. Love, joy, peace, you know, patience, kindness, you know, all the fruit of the spirit, life as it is in God. What is life? What is eternal life? It's knowing the Father and the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Father sent for us. So we want to nurture, we want to come alongside and nurture one another in the telling of this story, in the hearing of this in a fresh way. Lord, help us get this into the bloodstream, the story, the narrative, into the bloodstream of the church. Help us live in the light of the triune God of grace, the relational God of love. Help us, Lord. We need you in the name of Jesus. Help us live to, as together as the people of God on the mission of God. Here's the main thing for today. And it is that God is offering everyone a fresh invitation to come to him and share in the life and love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's a fresh invitation. I may use the same sentence each week. I, I just realized my points, everything. I'm just going to be saying it in different ways. But this is the thing. God is offering us an invitation to share in his love, to share in his life, to share in all that that means. And that's really, really good news. So let me, let me jump into this this way. What I want to do is uh, zoom out and remember the story and then zoom into Jesus. And then after that, then we can look at a couple verses in Isaiah. Does that make sense? 
is that's actually how we, that's how we want to interpret the Bible. We want to zoom out. And I found out, so on the zoom out here, if you go five times on your maps, if you do like one, two, three, four, five, you'll be in outer space. <laughs> Don't do it right now. But it's, it's five, and you go out, and it's just the globe, you know. And so we're zooming out, the big story. And, uh, you know, so God, really zooming out before creation, had a plan to love us, to adopt us, to create us, that we would be able to share in his love, in his life. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. I'm quoting that from Ephesians 1, just so everybody goes, where are you getting that from? Well, that's, that's where I'm getting it from. Paul, like in a flash of brilliant revelation from God and the Holy Spirit, understood that that was God's plan. John, in the same flash, writes the beginning of John 1 as a, it's like a, a retelling of creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So all in the light of Jesus. But back to this zoom out story. So God has this plan, and he creates the world and everything in it, the universe, and he creates Adam and Eve, and they're there in the garden, but we know what happens. They eat, they disobey, and in that sin, there becomes in humanity an inward turn. Uh, Augustine called it, I can't say the Latin word, curvatus. I'm tempted to say something funny, but just, just it's an inward curve. I don't know the other Latin word, but it's, curvatus sounds right. Um, so uh, bear with me. It's, it's, it's like riding a bike. It's what I've been telling myself. You know, I'm just getting back on the bike here today. Um, so it's an inward turn, and, and uh, just that's, that's humanity. It's brokenness. It's our sin. I heard uh, I've got a hot book recommendation right now, hot off the press, Rich Velotis, Good, Beautiful, and Kind. So there you go. I'm really, Kim and I are really enjoying this book right now. But in the first chapter, he has just a take on sin that I was like, whoa. You know, he, he was defining sin as a failure to love. And I was like, man, that is profound. And I need to, I need to hear that. Like all of my, the sinful tendencies and things, if I could just see that where I'm failing to love God or love Kim or love the people around me, it's, it, it actually makes a lot of sense, Right? So that's, that's the story of humanity, of Adam. God working through Adam, but Adam falls. So then God comes up, just takes it to the next level, and he approaches Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you, and through your family, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. And so there's this covenant that's made with Abraham, and then ultimately a covenant with Israel. And he says, don't break this covenant, or you'll end up in exile. But the kings, they reject God and choose kings. The prophets come and say, don't do this. Stop worshiping idols. You know, you're going to be sent out into exile. But sure enough, what happened? They were sent out into exile. And that's where we kind of pick up the story here in Isaiah. Is Isaiah's writing to these people in exile. And it's, it's like Israel is supposed to be this light for the Gentiles, for all the nations. But Israel can't do it. Israel ends up being just like everybody else right? 
And so a servant is prophesied, this servant of the Lord who's going to be a light for the nations, for the Gentiles. And we ultimately know that's Jesus. But we also find out from Isaiah in 53 that he's going to suffer as well. The servant is going to be also one who suffers, the suffering servant. And then we get to Isaiah and there's 55 and there's this challenge. There's this come to me. There's an invitation. In 56, you read that there's the house of God, the temple is going to be a place of joy and prayer for all the nations of the earth, not just Israel, but for all the nations, Jews and Gentiles together in the body of the Messiah. And you keep reading that and it says, rise, your lights come. It talks about Jerusalem being this shiny light of revelation and, and, and light flowing from the city itself. And he goes on there, and it's really kind of a picture of new heavens and new earth because he says that city will have no sun anymore because the Lord himself will shine and be the glory of that place. And the gates will never, ever be shut. It's just mind-blowing. John picks up all those themes in his gospel and in Revelation Big time. So uh, just exciting. That's a part of the story that's going on. So let's zoom on into Jesus. Zoomed out to the story. Zoom into Jesus because we always want to read and understand things in the light of Jesus Christ. I mean, why are we reading Isaiah 55 and telling the story? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we're reading Hebrew scriptures. That's why we're telling this story is because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And that changes everything. It changed the disciples, declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true king and Lord of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord Jesus Christ, king of the world, the one in whom and to is given all authority in heaven and on earth. Praise be to your name forever and ever. We give you praise, God. And how does, the, how does the Jesus lens change the way we read the Old Testament? Because you can't unknow that Jesus is the resurrected Lord. So you're looking, you know, retrospectively back. You know, you're, you're in the story, but, but you know that this changes everything. You, you know that the fullness of the revelation of God has come in the flesh Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the image of the invisible God in the radiance of the glory of God, we don't read Scripture and go, we know better than Jesus. We look at Jesus and we come back and say, Jesus, how do we understand this? Uh, this is like a hermeneutical teaching moment, you know, and I'm trying not to be teachy in the negative sense. But I want us to, I want us to see the Lord like this. Because we know that Jesus became one of us. Jesus is God who united himself with humanity in the person of the Son, the great mediator, representing God to men and representing men to God. And in him, this person, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he comes into Adam's flesh to redeem Adam. All of humanity, not just part of it, not just the Jews, not just Israel, although he does come to redeem the Israel plan too. He comes to redeem Adam and Israel. And he does it, what happens to him because of the incarnation, him joining himself to humanity 
in Adam's flesh, but not sinning. That's, that's huge. If he doesn't assume us, he can't redeem us. But because he does assume our humanity, he's able to redeem our humanity so that we can ultimately participate in union with him in the fellowship that he shares with his father and the son in that love shared in the Holy Spirit. This is the truth of God, by the way. So he's the great mediator. And he offered a sanctified life back to the Father. What we couldn't do, he did. He offered that sanctified life, full obedience to God, all the way to the cross, only doing what the Father wanted him to do, submitting himself in that way. And so we now died with him then, and that old flesh died, and we are raised with him, we are ascended with him. This makes sense. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms because he was able to unite us in a way that we could never have done on our own or through our efforts. He's done it. This is good news, <laughs> by the way. This is like awesome good news. So in the light of that uh, story, the gospel, the good news that Jesus is raised from the dead, the crucified Lord, exalted to the right hand of the Father, who's poured out His Spirit, and He is the ascended Lord. That means He's reigning right now. Heaven and earth, it's all under Him. So He's the resurrected, ascended Lord. And in the light of the resurrection, John writes this gospel. Let's go over to John real quick. He writes this gospel with new understanding and new eyes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, he made everything. Nothing was ever made without him that has been made. He's the light of the world. Light shining into us groping around in the darkness. We can't see. You got to look to Jesus. He's the light that shines in the darkness. Okay. So then John, uh, he is certainly reading Isaiah 55. Turn over to John 7, verse 37. So we're, we're trying to understand Isaiah 55. I'm just keeping us together. We're trying to understand Isaiah 55. You look to Jesus. Jesus is actually interpreting Isaiah 55 here in John 7. He says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood in a loud voice and said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus is taking Isaiah 55, this come, you know, let's return to the Lord, come and, and, and drink and be satisfied. But he doesn't just say come randomly. He says literally, come to me. You know, he is... He's, okay, so that's how we understand. It's coming to the Son. And again, it, when I say that, it's always not just G, the second person of the Godhead, of the Trinity, but we're coming to Jesus, who's revealing the Father and their shared love and communion in the Spirit. So that's what's going on there. And, but John even says it. We didn't understand that until after the resurrection and that the Spirit was going to be poured out at his ascension. He's, and he, he explains it right there. That's even again on reading the Bible. We need to, we, we go back and we read through the lens of Jesus. That's what John is doing in translating Jesus there. Does it make sense? Yeah. 
everybody. So huge. So another writing from John, right at the end of the story, Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. Again, you get more of this uh, being unpacked. He said to me, it is done. The one on the throne. Write it down. I'm making everything new. These words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And then from chapter 22, verse 17, again, John, this unbelievable revelation says in verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears these words say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. So what's, what's going on here? So the Lord is saying, come to us. And, and we also say, come Lord Jesus, like we're in this in-between time. So there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an interplay of that. But, but what I want us to get is that the Lord is always coming. He's not far off. And when we come together and meet, we're not begging him to show up. It's us. You know, it's us that become aware of his presence. He's always with us. There's no humanity that's walking around without the word of his power holding them together. You know, so, you know, that, that's who Jesus, he's, he is the Lord and he is present uh, with us. And he wants us to wake up to this invitation and in this time. Um, yeah, and... And, and there is a longing in our hearts for the, full, the fullness of his coming to make all things new. And we live in the light of that. Now, you know, it's the revelation of God in the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit. It's from the beginning of Genesis to Revelation that we realize God really has come to us. And he's come to us in our darkness. He's come to us in our pain. He's come to us in our confusion. He's come to us in our anxiety. He's come to us in the midst of hurts and wounds and wondering, are we going to be able to move forward? And this, you know, there's financial concerns and all these different things. And the Lord comes to us. Like there's no situation going on in this room where knowing the Lord won't help. Won't help bring understanding and, and care and compassion. Now, let's turn back to Isaiah 55. I want to read those couple of verses there, right there at the beginning. This is, come to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making God visible. Even though there's still mystery, it's not all mystery. You are the revelation of the invisible God and made known this relational God to us. Verses one and two, come all you who are thirsty. So hear the invitation, come all you who are thirsty, come to me, come to the waters. You who have no money, come. There's no, no economic barrier here. Come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. So 
I've just got a, a couple of thoughts here on this. Obviously, we could just keep going, and we will. We've got three more weeks on it. Um, but a couple of thoughts just for us to ask, and I, I, and I want to do this gently. Are you thirsty? In this season right now of life, are you thirsty? Are, are you hungry? You know, it's, it's, it's mercy from God that allows us to wake up to our thirst and the ways that we try to satiate that with all different kinds of stuff. Anybody, just a little bit of, a little bit of help. So the telltale signs that we're thirsty, I kind of went through some of them. Anxiety. I'm thirsty. Any despair? Since that, I'm thirsty. Isolation? I'm thirsty. Any hiding? I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Trying to get life from other things besides the Lord. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Help us, Lord. I'm, I'm so busy, and I don't even know it. Too busy for prayer, too busy for, for contemplative prayer, too busy for silence, too busy for stillness. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. When I don't see my need for community, I'm thirsty, and I'm hungry. God has come. God has come. That's the good news. He came. He became one of us and made a way for us to be in right relationship with God and to have fellowship with him, to have intimacy with him. And even if you have nothing, what the passage is saying is that he's incredibly generous and kind. He's a kind God. He's a generous God. He's a self-giving God. Come to Jesus and receive the water of life, the spirit of God, life itself flowing in and through us. And, you know, we had several different pictures this morning in prayer. One of them was about the wind blowing and kind of blowing out the debris in places where it kind of stacked up in our lives. And I had a picture of just the clean water, the clean, clean river, just flowing in places that gotten kind of backlogged and a little little stinky and smelly. I've got some of those places that need the fresh flow going. Several of you guys. And, uh, kidding. So, um, yeah, those are, I think those are some good pictures. The wind blowing, the, the clean river flowing through those places. You know, and thirst and hunger, you guys, is really connected to desire. We are desiring people. And often our desires work stronger than our mental framework. Like I can know something's sin and I'm overridden by my desires. Anybody that ever happened? Hey, we're, in, we're just in a, we're in a massive, this is a reset opportunity from the Lord. This invitation, a fresh invitation. It's a reset time. And so we're desiring people, looking at what we're actually hungry for, what we're actually thirsty for. And there's a lot of barrenness 
and exilish, Babylonish things that are masked and covered up when we can't see it by the affluence in our culture, by the affluence in our own lives. And I just move on to the next thing and I don't deal with it. It's been true in my own world. You know, we've been trying to eat better. So, and what I've found is as Kim just keeps bringing green things and setting green things in front of me that I'm actually hungry enough to just eat whatever. And so, but I'm, my taste is changing as I keep eating the green stuff. You know, like we're not like radical vegetarians or something, but we're just eating less, less meat. I'll, anybody invite me over for a steak, I'll eat it with you. But that's not the point. But the point is though that, that you can change your taste. It's not just gravity. You know, our desires can actually be shaped and molded. And a lot of times it's habitual stuff that's shaped by what we actually do. We're more creatures of habit than we realize. And I go do this because I did that last week. You know, and if I'm out of the habit of being in life-giving situations like gathering together as the church, I, I need some help. I need some encouragement in helping me get the desire going in my heart for the right things. So that's why, you know, Lord's Supper, giving, baptism, we do these things that are very tangible and t- what's the touchable, uh, there's a word for it, tactile, thank you, very tactile, you know, and then a habit is formed, give, give that, he gets a bonus, <laughs> whatever that was, <laughs> whatever that was. Um, so uh, James K. Smith had a book a few years ago, and it was, the title just says it all, You Are What You Love. That's, that's just really point. You are. We, we are. We're, we're moving toward what we love, what we treasure. That's why we say around here, when did you start, when did Jesus become your treasure? Because we're trying to cut through just the noise, the white noise of, yeah, I'm a Christian. I drive by a church on the way to work. And no, we're talking about when did he become your treasure first and foremost, the love of your life. You know, and Kim and I will say this, I love you more than any other human being and we but we go and we know we're talking Jesus gets first but we we, we have to say that sometimes to each other that Jesus is first he's the treasure even as much as we uh, love each other we're shaped by habits and we need this fresh invitation because we get into ruts and habits I played guitar last week oh and um (laughs) And I got a little bit of calluses on my fingers. And so I went home and I just, I was looking in the closet and I've got this old Taylor guitar and it looked terrible. Hadn't changed strings in forever. And just, I hadn't been playing it. My fingers haven't been in shape to do it. And I got a few calluses, so I wanted to change the strings. But then I looked at the fretboard and it was just nasty. I mean, it was like gunky, dirty, uh, gel, hair gel. It's like I'm playing, I played guitar, I guess for years going, You know, just smearing, it just looked terrible. So I took the strings off and I got a pocket knife and I was just, was shaving, it was just gross. Just shaving, just, and it was just coming off and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and I thought, man, that's a picture of us, of stuff that's built up 
that just needs a good cleaning. We need the river of God's love and spirit to flow through and to blow through our lives. And, and it may take a little reordering and a little bit of time. It's just not the same thing we've been doing because it is something different. It's something more that he's calling us to. But we are shaped by our habits like that. And this, you guys, it's just a, it's a simple call today to come to the Lord. He's inviting us. Come to the Lord and see as John saw, what Jesus said, he's quoting Jesus in Revelation 3, I want you to return to me, to your first love. I couldn't believe all these songs we were singing, just the same. It's almost like, yeah, I, the, the, little, the, the, the Lord, I'm sorry, speaking, speaking in tongues there for a second. The, the Lord. Um, so uh, where am I going with this? I just want to land he wants us to come to him as first love, but here's the thing. We are free. We're free not to. We're free to sin. We're free to mess up in all kinds of weird, gooky ways. We're free to set up an illusion of our own meaning and purpose apart from him. We're free to do all that, but what we are not free to do is get away from his love. You just, you know, nothing can separate you from his love. And that is the word of God. I want to read that because I think it's important that you know that someone has already come for you. And he says this, who can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ? So trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So we're free, but God's come for us and he wants us to choose him today to come to the Lord. So come to the Lord and in coming to the Lord, we come to each other. I just, I want to say that we come to, you can't do this without community. I can't do it without community. We come to the Lord and we come to each other because we need each other. We are sh sitting ducks for the lies, deception, schemes, blinding plots of the devil when we are not with one another. I'm thankful for all the technology, but there's something different about being together. In relationship, life group, discipleship, way on mission together, the different things that we do as a church, I can't do it alone. And it's going to take some old schedule redoing. I mean, again, just we're in a time right now, the beginning of August, and we need to get the big rocks in our jar of, there's only so much time, but, but this rock of church life and living together in community is a rock I, can't, I just can't do without it because I just get so messed up on my own in isolation. And so the ones that know that say amen. And, the, and, and if you don't know that yet, I, I'm, I'm exhorting you. I'm encouraging you to, to hear that word of, of, of gathering and finding our satisfaction in the Lord. The, the, we ultimately can't find it anywhere else. So come to the Lord. Band, if you would stand up. Let's just respond to the Lord right here. Lord, we're coming. Seek the Lord while he may be found. So we're, we're coming. We're, we're coming, Lord.
Help us. You know, I read a book years ago. Uh, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And it's true. God gets the most glory in our lives when we're finding, when He's the biggest treasure in our, in our lives. So the call this morning is to come. The call is to hit reset, to turn to the Lord, to uh, the biblical word is repentance, but it means just like, I'm turning to you, Lord. That's it. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming to you, Lord, right here and now in this moment. So Father, uh, whether it's starting a relationship with you, Jesus, with your son, or it's, it's calibrating and getting right here in this Isaiah 55 word of come, come to Jesus, come to the Lord, come to the river, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the Lord, all you who are hungry, come to the Lord and find real satisfaction. Lord, meet us today as we respond to you in the mighty name of Jesus and in the power of the Spirit. Lord, do it. Amen. Y'all come. Let's press in. Yes.